All opinions and views expressed on this podcast do not reflect official policy or position of the United States Air Force, Department of Defense, or the United States government. Guardians, Marines, and all the rest of you humans out there, and welcome to Engaged, a joint based McGuire Dix Lakehurst diversity and inclusion podcast. I'm your host, Chip. And I'm Rafi. And today our guest is Major Allison Smith from the 305th Operation Support Squadron. She's the Chief of Wing Training. How are you doing this afternoon, ma'am? And please tell us a little bit about yourself. Good afternoon. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here and, and talking with you guys today. Um, a little bit about myself. I was born and raised in southwest Nebraska. Uh, I actually grew up on a farm that was about eight miles outside of the nearest town, uh, which in itself was pretty small. There's only about 800 people in the town. Um, after that, I, I went to college in Missouri. Um, I played volleyball there. Um, and then uh, from there, I worked for the army for about a, a year um, after I was out of school before I ultimately decided that I was going to join the Air Force. Um, so I like to say that I, I kind of did my circle of the Midwest. Um, as I grew up in Nebraska, I went to school in Missouri. After I went to OTS in uh, Alabama, I went to pilot training in Oklahoma, continuing that circle. And then I landed in Wichita, Kansas, uh, which is where I was for about the last seven years. I just PCS to McGuire um, at the end of April. So I've only been here for about a couple of months. Uh, a little bit different, but I'm excited to be in a new place and to get to explore and see what New Jersey's all about. That's awesome. I, I'm really excited to have you. Ralph to gave me some background information on you and uh, was telling me about how you, you did a um, like a tough question challenge with your old leadership and something similar that Rafi and I had uh, had been doing here at Joint Base McGuire Dicks Lake Lakehurst the last couple of or the last year. Um, I, so it's super interesting to hear somebody else do something similar that we were doing and, and have their own take on it and how they accomplished it. If you, at least feel free to talk about that if you'd like. I know a couple of the audience members have sat through uh, and participated in ours. Sure, absolutely. Um, I can't take credit for it, though. Um, it actually, I took it from a couple of individuals from Wichita State University. Um, during COVID, they, from some of their friends, had kind of found a, a need for people to want to, to have conversations, um, particularly it was kickstarted, I think, by the, the George Floyd incident. And so some of their friends were, they were wanting to have conversations, but they didn't necessarily know how. Um, so their names are, are Danielle Johnson and Joseph Shepard. Um, so they created a talk that they titled Discomfort and Grace, which I absolutely love the title in itself because I think that it perfectly explains how to go about having a tough conversation um, because it is, it's uncomfortable. Um, so the discomfort that comes in there and, but then it has to be done with grace and, and understanding and respect for those that are involved in the conversation. Um, so um, a little bit further back, I guess, um, how I kind of got uh, 
connected with them is through my unit uh, has started, we called it the, the Raven culture team. So my previous unit was the Ravens. Um, and so we'd created what we called the Raven culture team um, as a need to, I guess, even a little bit further back, <laughs> um, the 344th uh, Air Refueling Squadron, which was my previous unit, was the, was the first KC-46 unit. Um, and that's the new tanker airframe uh, that the Air Force has. Um, but that unit brought in individuals from multiple different backgrounds and different MWSs. Uh, I do believe at the time it was about 23 different backgrounds. And so with each of those individuals that, that were joining the squadron, um, they all brought their own sort of culture that came with them and, and the, way, the way that their previous units and MWSs kind of um, operated and how they kind of did things. Uh, so there was a challenge in creating a culture in, in this new airframe, in this new uh, community. Uh, so we had created what we called the Raven culture team. Um, I wasn't a part of the squadron when it was first, when it first got the airframe, I joined uh, a couple of years later at the beginning of last year. Um, but when I heard about the, the Raven culture team, it was something that, that piqued my interest and I, and I wanted to be involved in. Um, so through the Raven culture team, we had what we called a speaker series. So we brought members from the community into the squadron and, and ultimately to the base uh, to speak about different topics. So we had several that spoke on leadership, um, but then one of them was, was Danielle Johnson and Joseph Shepard and their discomfort and grace talk. So that's kind of how um, I learned about what they were doing and, and uh, was able to take part in the conversations that they were doing. They, they didn't necessarily give a presentation. It was more of an interactive experience um, that they facilitated. Um, and one of their, their closing pieces of the conversation was go forth and, and continue having conversations. So um, I kind of took that and I, and I ran with it a little bit in our squadron. So their conversation was based a lot more around race, but I expanded on that a little bit. Uh, we did have conversations on race, but I also um, brought in, uh, I started a little bit with, with AMC's um, We Care, We Connect, some of the topics that they pushed out uh, as a starting point as far as conversations and topics that we could talk about. Um, but we, we talked about race, we talked about sexual orientation, we talked about gender, um, and we even brought in uh, some topics on like divisive current events. Uh, one of the discussions we had was on the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and some of the different opinions that came from that. Um, but I titled them uh, Tough Talks just because they were challenging tough conversations that were kind of hard to get started. Uh, so I took the concept from the discomfort and grace um, and brought it into um, our unit. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Kaya. Yes. Um, 
so big shout out to Daniel and Justin and all the other people that motivate us for like wanting to to step out of our comfort zone a little bit and push forward with something that uh, we all think is very helpful to, to humans in general. Um, at least sitting sitting here on this uh, on this call, we all think is super important. So huge shout out to them, and I'm glad that you found them because you know you got somebody else involved in. Uh, realizing how great it is to to have the courage and have these tough t- talks. Um, you know, Rafi's my inspiration every day. He's the one that gets me to step out of my comfort zone. Well, Rafi and my family, but uh, and, and and have the courage to discuss these things. That all being said, Rafi, I think our topic lines up perfectly for all three of us today, um, and, and it's something that I know I can talk a lot about, and I'm fairly certain that Allison can talk a lot about. And I know you can talk a lot about. Uh, so what do we got, sir? All right. Hey, before we jump in, I just want to make a quick correction. I think it was a, the name was Joseph um, for, for one of the, the founders of this. And then um, uh, for our audience that was listening in, uh, W or MWS, can you, can, were you referring to mass weapon storage? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, all the sorts of jargon, especially in a, uh, in the, the air force and the military and so MWS, yeah. major weapon system Perfect. so so the airframe itself the kc-46 uh i used to apply the kc-135 previously so and there we go so we're talking about yeah. uh, um it's, that's that's pretty big <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and it's also kind of funny to point that out while we're having this discussion today that even within our cultures there's subcultures where things mean different things yeah. right off the bat i mean we're all air force but uh, MWS means something totally different to me and Rafi. <laughs> so, so uh, today's episode is actually going to be uh, something that aligns perfectly with what with what you were doing. It's a it's giving leaders the tools to engage in the tough conversations within the workplace. Now, the reason why this is important is because the Air Force defines defines this as uh, as given the rapidly shifting operational realities, diversity and inclusion training, and in depth practical knowledge of personal skills and abilities, we need our leaders to be, to be nimble, change the course to reach operational objectives. So there's a lot of change management that goes into having these difficult conversations. These tough conversations can can be bigger than just just what what the smaller lens. Like I love how you expanded on this a little bit when you were when they were when they were talking about just just one one particular uh, subgroup and you expanded on it and you added so much more demographics to it. And it's a communication of full spectrum of inclusion. It's the ability to use appropriate and effective inter, um, interventions to to mitigate and to um, bring in these diversity related challenges, uh, facilitate the skills within the organization, and support the mission. Um, that comes actually from our AFI. It's AFI uh, thirty six seven zero zero one. For our listeners who who uh, haven't looked at it yet, I highly encourage you to take a look at that. Um, to engage in these in these conversations and to know where where you need to be, um, where the Air Force wants you to be as a leader, and where where the military is going. Even if you're not in the Air Force and you're listening from the outside, um, there's a lot of good resources and a lot of good research on engaging on this. I think some of that some of that you can you can do a lot of uh, Harvard Business Reviews are are on this and having these conversations uh, from Forbes and so on. Um, there's just the proof is there. Having these conversations builds a stronger team. It builds it builds that cohesion and that inclusion, and it gets you to where you need to be. So, with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna quit talking here and let you guys get into the conversation. So, I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah, I I mean, 
Allison, I, I get to talk a lot on this show and I, I get to share a lot of my stories. <laughs> um, I am trying to come up with one or two different times where I've, I've had these tough conversations. You mentioned George Floyd though earlier, and that was one of the topics during one of your tough conversations, or that was something that fueled a, a tough conversation uh, starting point. Um, and, and, uh, I remember uh, we had the same thing in our unit. Um, it was kind of like we need to t- talk this topic. Um, and, and it was kind of the beginning uh, of like the really where diversity and inclusion kind of hit the ground running was around that time frame during the pandemic and George Floyd, um, where at least where I saw it on my personal level in the Air Force, like, hey, we need to have these tough thoughts. I since you facilitated these things and you were inspired by completely different people than me, I would love to hear your take on, on um, any feedback and, and your initial, um, your initial thoughts on, on broaching topics like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that George, that George Floyd uh, was a catalyst for a lot of, uh, the initiatives that I think we're seeing, but I think that the need for it has probably been there for a lot longer. Um, and so I, I guess a catalyst is kind of always something that's needed to, to get us going in the right direction. But um, I, I've been so happy to see a lot of the initiatives that, that have, have come from, um, I guess, not so fortunate events. Um, but I think we are, we're starting to work in a, in a good direction it doesn't for, for what I've realized over the years. And it did take a, um, it, it did take that particular, uh, scenario, uh, whenever the air force was like, Hey, get out and have these talks. Whenever we had, um, you know, chief master on the air force, uh, and the, uh, chief of staff at the time really pushed out like, Hey, go out and have these discussions. It made me realize like, it doesn't take a major event like this to, have talks and discussions with folks and, and make them feel like they're more inclusive and, and are like, they're a part of the team better. I, one of the best commanders I had, I was fortunate to have when I, when I first came in the air force a long time ago, um, that was, that was his thing. He would go out and, uh, the newcomers brief wasn't like a, um, like a stage briefing and here's everything you need to know from the commander. He, you, you got a uh, worksheet when you first started up the unit with 20 questions on it. And there was a lot of personal questions on there. And at the very end of it, it said, Hey, don't worry. I'll be sharing these same, my answers, these questions with you back. So please feel free and open. And it was kind of cool to see that as an airman first class come from a lieutenant colonel. Um, and it was, it was a lot of questions. Uh, but when I sat down with him on the very first day that I got to meet, uh, Colonel Patak, um, he referenced that sheet and we talked about all the things that we have similar and all the things that we had that were different with our backgrounds. And it was a lot of in-depth questions like, uh, did you come from a, a traditional family? Was it a broken family? What's your current family situation? Uh, what are your favorite sports? What are your favorite activities? Like there was, there was a ton of questions on there. And then Instead of him having like, here's the rules and guidelines for the squadron, it was, okay, I know this about you. Let me share all these things about me with you. Um, and it, it, it was a solid start to building a, a, a sound trust with 
that leader at that point in my career. And so later, uh, about six months later, when I was going through some very tough times, I had no problem coming to my leadership and saying, hey, I've got, I've got, I'm going through potentially a divorce. I have financial issues. I need help. Um, I felt like the, the, the trust was already there. Um, so like it, the tough talk wasn't so much a tough talk because it was a preemptive strike for my commander and first sergeant in chief when I first came in the unit for, the, for them to get to know me immediately. Um, I, I wonder if that's a, a way that you've tried uh, or, or if there's some ideas that you have to kind of make the tough talks easier. I don't know that there's really a way to make tough talks easier. Um, and I think that it was something that I learned when I, when I started them, because I had the idea following the discomfort and grace um, discussions, but it took me a little while to actually start doing them um, because I, I wasn't sure how I didn't know how to start the conversation. I didn't know how to start the topic. I didn't think I was necessarily qualified to be the one to, to, to bring everyone into a room and facilitate a conversation. I didn't know exactly what about me qualified me to be the one to do it, but I ultimately came to the, the conclusion that it, if I don't do it, who, who's going to? Um, and I felt that there was, there was a need, not necessarily in my specific unit, but in general, a need for everyone to start having conversations with each other and ultimately to learn from each other. And, and by having those conversations within the units that we're in, it allows us to learn about each other. Uh, so about the people that we work with, uh, on a regular basis that we, um, see every day that we are on teams with and we're on the large air force team and the military team we're, we're all in it together you know the ones that we could fight a war with you know the your brothers and sisters that are going to be right next to you and so i think the the tough talks that i was facilitating were was influenced by multiple different different things. So the George Floyd was a catalyst for people becoming more vocal, um, like on social media type things. And then for the discomfort and grace to come about. Um, so both of those sort of influenced me into uh, seeing a need for a local conversation, um, as well as I was taking a, a master's class at the time um, my, on diversity. And so the professor from the class um, I, I liked the way that she didn't necessarily um, guide us into doing projects and stuff, but the, the, the task that she gave us was more to help us open our minds and to start to look at different perspectives and ideas and views um, of people from different backgrounds, uh, of, from diverse areas or diverse backgrounds in general, I guess. Um, so I myself was going through a little bit of a transition um, of starting to open my mind and see things uh, from different perspectives. Um, so I myself uh, see myself in, in a bit of a, a diverse category um, as one, I'm a woman in not just the military, but I'm a woman in the aviation community, uh, which is a bit of a minority in its own but then I'm also married to a woman. 
Um, so there's a few different categories that, that I, I see myself in there, but then I started to feel like I connected a little bit with some of the other minorities and in seeing some of the challenges that they, they face, uh, through the, the classes and some of the research that I was starting to do. Um, and so I, I felt this need for all of us in general to just want to have conversations with others. There, there's things that I see, um, some frustrations, I guess, that I have encountered. Um, and I kind of just like, I want to tell other people that, you know, the way that you're talking or um, the, I, I think you're kind of missing the, the viewpoint from, from my side. And I'm, I got the idea that if, if I'm feeling that way, um, and the, the categories, I hate categories, but the categories that I fall in, sometimes they're necessary. Um, if I'm feeling that way, then, then it's probably very similar for others. And so that there's, there's others inside of my unit or around me that probably want to be able to express or to share with those they work with that, hey, these are some of the challenges that I'm experiencing outside of work in my life that you may not know that I'm having. Um, and so uh, the Tough Talks came about, I guess, as an opportunity. Uh, one, because I wanted to provide the opportunity for others to express those experiences that they have had. Um, but two, because I wanted to hear those experiences that the others were having. Um, I was, I wanted to, uh, to know more about other people and the different ways that they see things and, and the different experiences they have had so that I could continue my journey of understanding um, different, different people and, and trying to open my mind a little bit more. So it was a little bit of a, a twofold um, one, I guess, a little bit selfishly. I wanted to, to try to expand my mind. Um, but two, I wanted to provide that opportunity for others to be able to do the same thing. And ultimately, I think providing the opportunity for us to get inside of a room, I created the space for the conversations to happen. So we could learn about each other, we could learn from each other. Um, but ultimately, I, I I think allowing individuals in a unit to feel like they're being heard that, Hey, there's somebody out there who understands that I'm experiencing life differently than they are. Um, it can also help with, with their well-being um, and their sense of being seen uh, as an individual, as a person inside of their unit. And I think that if we can create those sort of inclusive units where people feel like they can completely be themselves in it, that removes some of those stressors and some of those barriers that may be preventing them from uh, producing or performing at their top level at the job that they're doing. Um, so that's sort of one of the, the basic concepts of, as I talked about previously, the Raven Culture Team, uh, was that if we, if we take care of the individual person and the airman, uh, as a person, then we remove some of the stuff that allows them to be able to focus on their mission and ultimately perform better on the, on whatever mission it is that they are, um, tasked with. Yeah, I'm, I'm right on with everything you're saying. I, I have a question though for you, Allison. Um, 
you mentioned like certain topics being uh, discussed and, and you weren't comfortable as well with them. Like, how did you go about addressing that with peers or leaders? Like when it, there was an issue, um, like, do you have any suggestions or tips for, for like bringing that up with either uh, a leader or a peer? Like, Hey, I've got an issue with this and I'd like to talk to you about it. Like outside of having personal courage, like a, maybe a method or, or uh, a way that, that that's worked for you for bringing these topics up. As far as leadership goes, I was extremely lucky. Uh, our squadron commander was actually the one that wanted to create the Raven culture team. Um, he recognized some of his own blind spots and said, I don't think I'm the best one to, to attack these topics. And so he created the Raven culture team um, to say, Hey, uh, all of you are leaders inside of this unit. And so we had individuals from all ranks, um, from A1C up to, I think, uh, so majors and then the, the commanders, obviously, lieutenant colonel. Um, but he recognized that everyone in the unit uh, is a leader and can influence the, the culture of the squadron and, and ultimately the outcome of, of how we operate and how we produce. Um, so I was... I was very lucky to have the support um, of the commander to say, I said, Hey, I, you know, I want to do these things. He said, absolutely. Um, if you think that's going to help the unit and you think it's going to make it better then absolutely go forth and do it. As far as issues that we encountered, um, I would say that I, I didn't necessarily see any overt, um, which is fantastic. Um, but I know that there are units that may may encounter more overt issues. Um, but in my unit specifically, I think I was targeting more um, the underlying issues that people face in society and maybe against processes and just helping each other understand uh, that those exist and how they affect um, our fellow airmen. Uh, I think um, I think we're both luck, really lucky in that aspect. Like we both had some really good leaders throughout our careers um, that have made it feel like we were in a safe workspace to discuss that with them. Um, I have had some terrible, uh, so not terrible. I've had some supervisors that I've learned from in the past, and um, directly, you know, direct supervision where I was like, okay, I'm going to be have to be the one to like show this person like i'm a human too like let's let's discuss and understand each other a little bit better um i i am still trying to like hand advice because i know there's plenty of people that um are often like they won't address the topic because they're worried they're going to offend somebody or they're going to be ridiculed uh uh on, on their opinion and like i i can't offer any advice like on the courage that it takes to, br to bring these topics up other than just do it because uh, keeping it in doesn't help it at all and, and not, not addressing it doesn't help it at all, but like addressing it with whoever it is, whether it's a peer, a, uh, a peer or a leader, um, it, it works out a lot better. And if you can develop that trust with whoever it is to begin with beforehand, it's a lot easier. Uh, but outside of that, it's just have the courage and do it and um, find your support in, in, in case you get shot down. I, I mean, I have been shot down for bringing things up that I thought weren't right before. Um, but I knew that I had a, a good support net to test me when I stepped away from that person or that topic. 
Um, Absolutely. I brought the, I might have stole some of your thunder there. I think that might have been one of your transition points too. Oh, well, go ahead. You were going to say something. Oh, I was going to say absolutely. And, and I think one of the things to emphasize there too is that um, there, there's positional leadership, but then there's there's uh, like an individual and, and peer type leadership as well. So we don't necessarily have to wait for for like a commander or somebody above us to say, "Hey, we're we're going to do these these changes. We're gonna we're gonna talk about this stuff." Um, I think it definitely requires some sort of support, but um, you can be the change within your unit without it being an official capacity. It can just be as simple as as the way you carry yourself on a day to day basis. Um, if you hear somebody around you that's that's speaking in a way that you don't approve of, um, you think it's offensive to yourself or, or maybe one of your coworkers even. Um, it can be as simple as, as speaking up and saying, hey, that's not necessarily um, the way that, I, you know, you should be, you, you should be carrying yourself um, in the workplace or, hey, you know, that's, that's kind of offensive or, and, and it could be not necessarily that they are intentional about the, the things that they're saying. They can easily be um, just a blind spot for them. And so if you have the courage to speak up to them and, and identify their blind spot to them, they may not like it right away, but it might start them down a path of thinking about. And so next time they, they're having the same com- sort of conversation, then, and then they're going to remember you talking to them. And so then they might start to rethink some of the words that they say, or some of the the actions or the way that they carry themselves. Um, and so uh, if you start doing that, you might also identify some other people around you that have, that think the same, that they just didn't necessarily have the courage, but then there's two of you. And then eventually there's three of you or four of you. Um, and you can grow into um, a, a force, I guess, for change inside of um, your unit. Yeah, um, yeah, not, not to say that it's more noble that the person didn't intend something bad, but then you could also find out like the comment or the action that they took wasn't like they weren't intending to have that outcome. And they were just it, exactly what you said. It was a blind spot. Um, you know, I, I mean, I've had plenty of times where I've had my blind spot brought up to me. Um, and they felt it. The other toughest thing, it's tough to have the courage to point out someone else's blind spot and say, like, hey, here's a different idea and perspective on what you your action was or what you said. And it's another thing to get pointed out that, like, you're the one that has the blind spot. And so, like, that that's pretty tough as well. And, um, you know, my advice on that is, like, just don't get defensive and listen to what the person has to say. Like, things are going to work out a lot better in the long run if you're communicating uh, to each other the things that, like, don't float well with each other um and and you guys are going to be able to to press me on the point and and, and learn from each other and continue to facilitate communication to to work towards whatever mission or goal that you're you're working on together as a a team rafi i I think i cut you off yeah these are all great points and um they're they're very valued i just want to point out something it seems like what you were talking about there's there's a niche way what you used here of uh, building the team and for leaders that are out there that are that are looking at building a team kind of like how how uh, major smith built her team uh to get this accomplished and because it is a tough uh, tough on 
undertaking. There's a book, it's on the CX reading list. It's called Shackleton's Way. And, and you, you learn about how he built a team to go through the Arctic and go on through different challenges and move that team around uh, to put their skills where they, where they needed. It. It's kind of like how your commander uh, realized that, hey, he doesn't have all the answers, but he built a team. Um, and, and I think that will give you a lot of good insights if you, if you take the time to read that. More importantly, though, I wanted to touch on a little bit on, on what we talked about earlier. When you're trying to get these conversations started, so a lot of leaders tend to think that, you know, they might not be the right person for this and so on like that. So what they're actually, so they start thinking that they have imposter syndrome when the reality is, is not everyone has imposter syndrome. When you're going on at any task just like this, it's, it, it, it's not a medical condition that you have this anxiety. It's actually very normal. And it's a normal amount of anxiety to have when taking on any sort of project. You're a human, you're going to have it. What actually happens is if you, if you then go on to, to showcase, hey, I, I had a little bit of anxiety, I'm going forth with this and I'm, I'm taking this on, it will actually aid you in getting those people that are that you know go into the meeting and they don't want to be a part of the meeting. They don't talk in the meeting. They don't say anything. It aids them because what you're doing is you're showing this is a normal behavior that is actually um, a, a cheer for members and it gives them the chance to like, hey, cheer you on to overcome your to overcome their own anxiety by helping you. So essentially what they're doing is uh, we as humans tend to want to be the helping person, right? We want to be the person to help out and solve the problems. That's like what we do, especially in the military. We join the military. Most people have, have a, hey, I want to help out. I want to, I want to solve these problems. So when they see a leader, especially kind of, kind of going on this task and they're asking for help, they're, they're willing to jump in and, and, and communicate and talk. And that's kind of a, uh, so if you're if you're running into that issue where you're like, hey, I want to do this, but you know I'm kind of worried X, Y, and Z. Well, if you express that worry, you'll you'll be surprised. A team will build around you, and it'll be and you could probably be surprised by who actually helps with your team. You, you know, it could be the least likely people that you thought would help, and they're jumping in to help you, and they start speaking at these meetings and and having these tough conversations that you intended for them to have in the first place. So it's kind of a kind of a little bit of psychology I, I wanted to throw in there. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with part two of episode four. Stay tuned, Engagers. If you liked that episode, please like and subscribe. Also, follow us on Facebook. If you wish to make contact with the JBMDL Diversity and Inclusion Working Group, please email 87abw.cvb.diversityinclusion at us.af.mil.